Hello and welcome to the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. My name is Dr. Avine Banish and I will be your host. This is the weekly podcast that helps women pause in their busy lives, drop into the heart, and remember their next right step. I am so happy that you're here. Hi there, and welcome to the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. My name is Dr. Avine Banish, and today I'm excited to share a wonderful conversation I had with Rosie Menkes. Rosie is a life coach, a motivational speaker, and the author of a memoir entitled Find Your Joy and Run With It. Um, In that book, she describes an incredibly challenging period in her life, a year, when she went through an avalanche of ordeals and yet managed to come back stronger than before. Rosie has been featured on numerous podcasts, and her story was published by Katie Cork Media. She is also working with an Emmy Peabody and WG award-winning writer and producer on the film adaptation of your book, Find Your Joy and Run With It. I really enjoyed this conversation. I found Rosie to be really grounded and um, offering lots of practical advice for when we're really um, in lower moments in our life. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Rosie Menkes. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of The Wholehearted Healer. I am so happy that you're here. My name is Dr. Avine Banish, and I'm your host. And today I'm excited to have a conversation with Rosie Menkes. Um, Rosie is a life coach, a motivational speaker, and an author. And um, I think she's going to share a lot of life wisdom with us today. So Rosie, I want to say welcome. Thank you. So great to be here. Um, I wonder if we could begin by you just sort of sharing a little bit about your story. I would love to. So um, from September of 2015 to September 2016, I went for a very difficult year. Um, During that time, my family and I had to transition my mom into an assisted living facility due to the progression of dementia. And around the same time, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So if you can imagine, I'm going through multiple biopsies, lumpectomies, and ultimately a bilateral mastectomy and reconstructive surgery. And all the while, my mom is calling me in the middle of the night saying, I want to go home. Get me out of here. Um, She was just so fearful. She didn't want to leave the only life that she knew, which was living independently in Brooklyn, New York, and moving to a facility in New Jersey closer to me. And just when we finally started to get her settled in, I was kind of moving through and getting through my whole surgical journey. Um, My 58-year-old brother died in a horrific accident. My brother was very passionate about um, local theater, and he and his castmates were rehearsing for a play uh, on stage. And if you can imagine, I mean, if you were like holding a table, he had that somebody asked him to help move the table off the stage. If you're holding the table moving forward and I'm holding the back, walking backwards with the table, my brother walked off a three and a half foot stage and hit his head on the cement and became brain dead. And then a couple of days later uh, was taken off life support. And when that happened, those three things, and then lastly with my brother, I fell apart. I literally stopped eating, stopped speaking. At one point, I wrote a list of 12 things I would miss if I died. And 
one of the things that I learned is that no one in this world gets to script their life's path. Mm -hmm. And also no one in this world gets to choose the body they're born into. But deep down, I didn't want to just be in despair and despondency and kind of like curled up into a a ball in in a hole. I wanted to figure out how I could move from adversity to emotional wellness and start living again and and finding joy in everyday life. Um, So I'd love to share a little bit about what that journey looked like, if if you will. Absolutely. First, I just want to say that is a lot in a very short period of time. And it's totally understandable that um, it sounds like you just kind of hit a wall, that, that the trauma and the the grief just kind of built up and um and in that sort of looking at our nervous system with fight flight or freeze it was just freeze time for you it was just absolutely yeah, yeah. and yeah. um and i i guess what i would want to ask is how long right i mean it'd be understandable for you to stay that way for a long period because in any hero's journey or any story we want right? We want the comeback. We want the recovery. And yet um, what you outlined were very, very serious life events that were happening in rapid succession to one another. And so can you just walk us through, um, you know, even when your thought, your thoughts kind of shifted from, from that freeze of, I don't know what to do. I don't want to do anything. I just want to numb out to um, kind of digging out of that place. Yeah, you know, it's funny, you, you mentioned when my my brother passed after the third of the three things, my friends didn't think I was coming back from that. They were like, how can anybody do so much, you know, and have so much heaped on them in in, in one year in a short period of time? Um, you know what the thing is, though, I will say is that what I learned is that, and I always really thought big picture when I would think about things, okay, just do this one big thing, I can fix it, I can do it. But it wasn't going to be one big thing. It was going to be a series of really small little things that would build up to the point where I would actually make turn the corner towards healing. Mm-hmm. Um, you read sometimes you see an, an article say top 10 things to heal or uh, somebody quotes something from a very fancy medical journal or something like that. Right. But it was like foundation building, you know, from the ground up that had to be done. And, you know, I've always practiced gratitude. I wear this bracelet. It has four beads on it. And, you know, I acknowledge four blessings in my life. But it was had to be more than that. Like it had to be like, how do you define what happy is? Because you're like just, as you said, so numbed out. So, you know, to start it off, and this is, you know, very um, kind of like grassroots. I decided one day to sit down and, and write down five things that make me happy my journal, because I do a lot of journaling. And I looked at the paper and I'm like, there's nothing, you know, I, I, I'm not happy. Right. So I took a step back and I said, okay, write down five things that could make me happy. And the list was so like basic because this really wasn't much that I could grasp onto. And one was like sitting on the couch with the dog snuggle, snuggle next to me, you know, the fireplace on, let's say, or lighting three scented candles and turning the lights on to watch them glimmer. Um, drinking my morning beverage and savoring its good taste, taking a walk around the block, um, because at that point I was recovering from major surgery, you know, walking around the block was a bigger deal. And then uh, the last was watching a sunrise or a sunset. So I'm like, okay, this is a good list, but like, it's a list of things that could make me happy. So 
I started to think of them as, as affirmations. So I would say them until I could convince myself to actually integrate them into my life and, you know, work on them. And if that list worked, then I would start another one. The other thing was, is that I looked at things that I gave up during that year, because when you're going through, you know, trauma or adversity or whatever, mm-hmm. you tend to give up things. And one of the things I gave up is I stopped turning on the radio because I was mad at everything. I couldn't imagine singing a song or connecting to lyrics, but music is very important to me. Um, and I probably, I'm more in the fact that I let it go at a time I probably needed it most. And when I say music, for me, it's not just the fun songs, but I, I started with them, like to, to try to integrate them back into my life, like September by Earth, Wind and Fire. Everybody jumps up on the dance floor to waiting for that one, right? Or um, then I also looked at the ones from my teenage years, like Billy Joel or Jim Croce, you know, songs from them. But then I went to the ones where the lyrics spoke directly to me, you know, like, like let it be or drops of Jupiter by train and put them. And now every single day since that time, every single day has filled with music. You know, everybody has their time. Like when I put my makeup on in the morning music, if I cook, it's soothing to me when music is on, you know, and, and, you know, I'll sing sometimes, sometimes I'll even dance. I mean, like, it's just, it's just a part of who I am, but you know, when, curveballs are thrown at us and me particular like in one year I had a lot of them it's like do we or do I choose to stay curled up in that ball or do I look at the gifts that are in front of me that I probably hadn't even recognized and and latch on to them as a way of healing and I have a few of those gifts that I wanted to share with you because they were there all the time but I wasn't seeing them because all I saw was my life and how things and how terrible things were. I would love if, I mean, um, we are recording this uh, at sort of a major holiday time of the year. Um, When I think uh, there's a lot going on in the world, there's a lot going on for people individually. And um, sometimes, you know, the holidays are not this wonderful time, right? They're a, a blue time or a challenging time. And so I think your message and leaning into gifts that maybe we overlook is really timely. So I'd love if you'd share some. Yeah. So spirituality is one. So I have a friend who passed away. It'll be 20 years in February, and her name was Marion. And before she left us, she said that she would come back to us with signs, which we call winks from beyond. That's what we call. And some of the ways, the signs that she would come back is if a glass broke at a gathering, that was letting her, letting us know that she was there. If uh, we saw dragonflies or sunflowers, whether it be the actual sunflower dragonfly or on jewelry of somebody or a tattoo. But the other one, the last one was music, songs that she loved, you know. So as I mentioned before, Drops of Jupiter or Let It Be. So, you know, anyway, countless times Marion has come back during this journey. I mean, I, I didn't see it as much before, but during this journey, she would come back to let me know that she was there. So one um, example is I was really in a bad place. And, you know, usually if I go to my favorite Italian market, because I'm Italian, it cheers me up to walk around a little bit. And I was just in a bad place. And I was paying, you know, getting ready. I was in line to pay for my items and um, calling all angels by train came on. Now, no one in the store knew it was on except me, but that's okay. Cause I was the intended recipient for it. Right. So Countless times, Marion has done things like that to let me know she's there. But the the bigger story that I want to share with you is 
My mom has, has well, my mom passed in, in March. She was had dementia for, for many, many years. But um, when my brother Carl passed away, we chose, due to her dementia, not to share with her that he had passed because she couldn't put time together anymore. She mm-hmm. couldn't tell if it was a month, four weeks, you know, I mean, uh, six weeks, six months. She couldn't tell. So, and also because she was forgetful, should we have told him he passed? Then if she asked about him, every single time that she asked about him would be like the first time that she was learning that he died. Right. So for good or bad, people may or may not agree with us. My family members, we decided not to share with her. So I was kind of really in a bad spot because we just had done the memorial service, the church and the memorial um, gathering at my house. Um, And the next day I decided, let me go see my mom. And I wanted to keep it light. I wanted to have like a lighter conversation. I was hoping that I could steer her away from, get me out of here. I want to go home and maybe share some funny story. And my mom looked at me and she said, I know something's wrong. I could see it on your face. Even with the mention, my mom could see through that something was wrong. And I just picked myself up and I said, you know what, mom, nothing's wrong. I'm just very busy at work. And I kissed her and I left. And I went into my car and I cried for a while. I, I Sometimes I could get through the story and sometimes I can't. Anyway, and then when I felt that I could drive and I was more composed, I hit the ignition and the song Let It Be was on the radio. And that was my friend, Marion. And she was saying, you made the decision not to tell your mom that her son died. And you did it because you want to protect her. And now let it be. And that's the story like that always gets me when I tell that story about, you know, as I choked a little bit, but um, so Marianne has been with me um, showing her presence through this whole thing. And even today now, um, even with her birthday, her birthday is 311. It's, I can't tell you almost every day I look up, it's 311 or I pass an address on driving or my, my receipt says 311 at a store. So that's one of the things that, um, that I had happen for me that I discovered one of the gifts. Another one was self-discovery. Um, and that came in two forms, meditation and mindfulness. So somebody said during the time that I was going through all this, they said, you should meditate. Like, meditate. There's like a marching band going on in my head. All the time. It's just no way. There's no way. It's like the energized bunny. Right. Um, and I said, um, all right, let's take, let's try it. And now I'm up to almost 18,000 minutes meditating which is big. It's really big for me. But the bigger thing was mindfulness. When I learned to start the practice of staying exactly where my feet are planted, because in my mantra is, I don't want to miss the beautiful gift of now. That was the game changer for me because I had spent a lot of time worrying and obsessing about past decisions and plotting in future. But when I stay where I am, that's the best place to be. And then when I run amok, and you know, because you will all, you know, run amok sometime, I started using this acronym. It's stop, which is stop, take a breath, observe, and proceed. And I'll ask myself, okay, so uh, is this thought really serving me? Is it true? And what do I really need right now? What I really need is to get myself back grounded and stay where I am. So in that practice of, of uh, mindfulness. I'll give you a couple of examples. So I go out 
walking when the weather is nice here. And I call it me time. So it's like an hour of walking. And prior to being mindful, I'd be, you know, fielding a text or shooting, you know, an, an email out or grabbing the phone and talking through the whole walk. And then I started to think, no, this is mindful walking. Like I want to be out there and look at the blue sky and I'm going to see the cloud formations. And when the sun pierces the, 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 the cloud, that's my, you know, my spirituality telling me that our loved ones are shining down to show us that they're still there. And then listening for the birds, like, or even just finding them, like listening to the chirping and, you know, the swaying of the trees or, or the smell of grass. Like, I want that. I don't, I don't want to be busy. I want to be here in that moment at that time. And then I, I started about a couple of years ago, I started to be able to, to run again. Now, as I mentioned, you know, earlier, um, we, when we spoke earlier, I'm two time cancer survivor. I had, 10% of my right lung removed in, in 2008. And I had the uh, double mastectomy and reconstructive surgery in 2016. So for me to run, you know, but I don't run like I used to run. When I used to run, I used to run like, oh, I just can't just make it to the stop sign, you know, or just make it to there. But now I run and I listen to my feet hit the ground and I feel it. I feel I'm stronger. I'm making myself stronger. So I run mindfully. That's one of the things that like is really, really important for me is to be in that moment and feel it. Um, Rosie, can I just interrupt for a sec? Can you, can you just take us, because I think there are a lot of people that identify, I loved how you said you had a marching band in your head, this idea that like, we hear all the time, um, that we should, should, you know, you should, um, meditate. And, um, and so how did you begin that process? How did you quiet? Is it, is it just the intention? Like I'm going to, I'm going to place my energy and my awareness and just do this? Or um, how did you begin? So I, I wasn't able to just do my own. I started with a meditation app. I started with Headspace. Yep. And it's a guided meditation. And it was Andy is the person that I would meditate with. So And he would just tell me to, we would do the body check, the body scan. It's been a while since I did did it, so um, I don't remember all the different details. But we first do the body scan, and then it's the listening to your breath. And but it doesn't happen overnight. Like you, you have to commit. You have to say, "I know this can help me." You have to believe that it will. Well, or or I would say, "Well, it can't hurt me, right?" So let me give it. Let me commit. And and the thing is, is that this is what gets me crazy sometimes. Like I know people that are they're more willing to take a pill or do all these other things, but I can't do that. Oh, that won't work for me. But you, you didn't try, you know, you'd rather just like take the quick way and not try. But so with meditation or any sort of thing like that, I would suggest starting with like an app where they walk you through it and you're not just doing it. I mean, at the, it came to the point where with the headspace, I could have done it with on my own. I didn't need the app anymore. I knew how to do it. Um, and now I've evolved, um, my mom, my mom passed away in, in March and my mom was, became very ill very quickly. And I don't think I would have made it through the way I did, like in terms of having clarity and, and more calmness, had I not found EFT tapping, um, Mm -hmm. emotional freedom technique, it's called, it stands for, and that helped me that I would pick. And that one is with uh, the gentleman that I do it with now is called Nick. His name is Nick Ortner. It's called the tapping solution. Tapping solution. That's a great yes. app. Yeah. And I, and I basically like, will pick 
Okay, what do I need right now? I need nervous tension and uh, stress relief, and I'll pick that one. Or I'm feeling a little blue. I want to. I want to say, okay, well, I want to make it a great day, and I'll pick that one. And I wholeheartedly believe in that. That helps me. There's so many out there. Breathe, calm. There's, there's so many, but I would suggest if you're if you're really struggling, and you know you've done everything, get that you tried everything. Give yourself, you know, the permission to, or just make a make a commitment to yourself to give it two weeks, a month, and just stick with it. It's only I sound like a commercial. Now. I don't want to sound like a commercial, but I'm just I'm not selling it for any selling it for any profit or anything. I'm just saying, you if you commit ten minutes a day to it every day, and then after a week, check in with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, start if you journal, start and see how you felt on day one, and then. A week later, check in with yourself and see if it's any changes that have occurred for you. Yeah. I mean, Rosie, I, what I love about you and your story is that, first of all, you you were curious with yourself, right? It's almost as if um, you were at this really low place and um, you saw the, the, the possibility, the ability of you to change your experience, right? And I think that's that's a gift when we even have enough energy to say like, could this be different? Right. If that's awareness. And then um, just the, just the ability to kind of say, you know, almost with a lightness, like maybe this will help. Maybe this tool helps, or maybe you try that tool. It doesn't help you that much, but it leads you to the tool that does. And so Mm -hmm. I think what I love too, about what you're sharing is that different than, you know, and there's nothing wrong with medication for people who are really depressed and who need it. Um, I often think that medication in conjunction with a lot of the tools that you're talking about can be really powerful if you really need it, you know, mm-hmm. um, but, but that to get from here to there, you have to go through, like, there's mm-hmm. no way around, especially with what you were experiencing. I mean, huge life events, grief and healing from illness and the loss of loved ones. Um, there's no pill for that. No. Right? So, so no, no. what you found is so is so beautiful and valuable. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong. I mean, when I, I shared about what happened with Carl, but when I found out that I had to have a the mastectomy, I mean, again, I've had two major surgeries in my life. I had 10% of my right lung removed and I had my breast removed. Breasts are personal. You know, you get out of the shower, you don't see your lungs. But you don't see the, that the breasts are not there. That was hard for me. You know, I, I'm not going to, I mean, I, I rocked back and forth in my bed worrying, saying, how can I do this? Like this was, it was very personal for me and it was very difficult, but, you know, the investing in myself and, and as you said, being curious, um, another thing I never even knew existed was self-care. I never knew that was a thing, but I learned a different kind of self-care that like, I, I, I actually was so afraid to do. And that was that, and I shared before, like if I, if a visit with my mom became too hard for me, you know, I want to go home, get me out of here, get you, get my, you got my mother's stuff. I mean, I love her, but she was, you come by with a truck and you get my stuff back to, you know, Brooklyn and um, that I could pick up and I could just say, I have to go. Or if the phone rang at eight o'clock at night, Sometimes in the middle of the night, the phone rang at eight o'clock at night, and I wasn't strong enough to take it that I could hand it to my husband and say, could you take this one? 
or that I could let it ring. I didn't think I was capable of doing it, but that's a form of self-care too. Actually, a friend of mine who's going through like a hellish situation with both of her parents who are both now in a assisted living um, situation called me the other day crying. Like, is it okay for me to not answer the phone? And I'm like, yes, it's okay. That's first of all, that's not the parent that you had growing up. This is a whole different game right now. Right. And I said, you can do it and it's okay because you have to take care of you because they're not, you're not going to be any good to them if you fall apart. Right. So that was another part of the, the journey that I didn't um, realize that I was able to do. But another one was um, acts of kindness. So like you do acts of kindness for people and they're so appreciative, but you get back tenfold, right? But one of the things that I incorporated into my healing practice, if you will, was I started to write down in the morning, today I, w- today I will be kind to myself by doing blank. And then I would fill in the blank. And it doesn't have to be big. It could be doing like a facial scrub or if it's a nice day, sitting on my deck and reading a couple chapters of my book or whatever it might be. But by doing that every day, I could assure that I can find something joyful in every single day of my life. And that was part of the whole thing. I wanted to move from this really deep, despondent place that I was in to moving toward being able to um, have wellness and find some joy in every day. And, you know, incorporating these things, as well as a few others, has ha- has helped me to do. And that's what I share when I speak or if I'm on a podcast or, you know, with my, uh, when I life coach, um, I haven't been doing as much life coaching as, as I had been, but my sweet spot is, I is usually with people that are, um, recovering from like a, especially a breast cancer, mm-hmm. um, or, or going through the journey before, because those medical questions, they're for the doctors, right? But the personal ones, you know, like, the ones that you're afraid to ask the doctor or embarrassed at, that's the ones that I want to be there because I already did it. I already went through the weeds. You know, I always tell people one thing I'll share is that, um, you know, breast cancer, as I said, is very personal, but if you have a bilateral mastectomy, you need four hands to take care of them. You can't just do it yourself. You can say, oh, I could do, you need four hands because somebody has to r- wrap you and you have to hold it and you need, you know, so that, that amongst other many things that I've learned along the way in my journey is what I like to share. And um, the reward is when people say that, you know, I was so afraid before I met you and now I feel like I could do this. And that's the reward because I wasn't in that state. I was, I was a mess, but if, if I've learned one thing and if I have gone through Knuckwood two cancers and come out on the other side, I'd like to do something good with that. Mm-hmm. And and this is one thing that I feel I can do, whether it be being on a podcast or speaking or or in a one-on-one. Yeah, well, I think, you know, be it any of those situations during that year that you had, I think a great deal of our suffering comes from the the thought or the idea that like we're alone, that no one has ever gone through this. And um, and so I love that this mission you have to help people really feel less alone, right? In that um, that there's someone who has been through it, not only been through it, but they're on the other side of it. And just that presence, that walking with someone can really reduce suffering. That listening um, mm-hmm. can really help. And I mean, in a in a world that can be quite lonely. Yeah. 
And I, I, I want to share um, one thing that I learned and I learned um, the hard way, but I like to share it because I hope that it will um, help others. Like, so whatever you're going through, whether it be, you know, a, a, a surgical journey or, you know, depression or whatever, or you might have any sort of hardship or whatever. Um, if you share this information with a friend, be very specific about what you want them to do with that information. I wasn't, so I shared it with people that I was having, you know, going to have to have a bilateral mastectomy and reconstructive surgery. And a few people told others that I would never have wanted to know. You know, it's my story, not yours to share. And the next thing you know, like people that I didn't, you know, that weren't even in my social circle knew about my story. So I like to share this because I feel like it's really important that whatever it is that you have to be very specific with your people. Hey, listen, I'm telling you, but I expect you not to, I expect you to keep this quiet. You know, it's personal thing for me. And, um, and I do share that a lot because I want people to know that, um, you know, people sometimes will do things that you, you know, that you're not comfortable with. So to, to make sure that you're very specific with them on how on what you want them to do with the information you give them. That's good advice. And Rosie, you've written a book. Tell us about your book. So I wrote a book. It's called Find Your Joy and Run With It. Actually, a producer friend of mine had heard about my story. And he said, wow, it's an amazing story. You should write a book. And I don't think he thought I would, but I did. I took it. I did. So and, and it was basically um, through that journaling that I was able to kind of like and that's another thing I want to say as people should, if you're going through something bad, journaling is a very good thing to do because you can look at it and then look at it a year later and see hopefully how far you've come. Mm -hmm. So anyway, back to the book. So I wrote, I wrote this book from, with the help of my journal and it's about that story. It's about how life throws you these curveballs, and, you know, basically it's what you do with them. Like I could have stayed where I was. But it's about the rejoicing in the fact that you take those things that are out there that you've probably you're ignoring because you're numbed out, right? And then you take those gifts and you 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 incorporate them into your life so that you can heal. And it's funny because um, people have come up to me, whether it be at a book signing or after I've spoken or whatever, and they'll say, "You know, uh, your book it's so relatable." And I'm like, "Wait, time out. You're like you're 23." Right. And you thankfully you haven't lost, a, uh, you know, a, a sibling. And thankfully, you don't have a mom with dementia and you haven't had a, a cancer journey. So how is this related? And they said, we relate to the emotions. We actually could feel them as you're sharing them. So um, I hope that people will um, take a look at it. It's a very inspirational story. It is, you know, the parts that are really deep and then they laugh out loud and that's one of the things that people always say too is um the way I shared with you about the um the, the spirituality and the, the wings from beyond in my book that's also what happens is humor at the time where things were really despondent then all of a sudden it's laugh out loud something really funny would happen and I capture it in the book so anyway it's available on, on Amazon again it's find your joy and run with it love that I love the title too um I wonder Rosie how all of this has impacted your outlook, right? Because I think, um, I'm sure you had other tragedy and stuff happen. You're human uh, before that year, but that year 
was beyond for you. So how do you go forward from here, knowing that there'll be more loss, there'll be more unexpected stuff, it might hit the fan in other ways. So how do you think that these practices that you're talking about can be protective in some way? Yes, I do. And you know, it's funny, because I do in the book, there's a passage that says, you know, I I hope that I know that we've learned from this, my husband and I, like life is going to throw us more curveballs as we go along, but we've learned that together we could get through this and that, that there's, there's a, a, there's a plan for me moving forward. Like I had no plan. It was all scattered all over the place. But now when those curveballs come, I think that we, uh, that I have developed what I think I, you know, the tools I need to be able to make it through. Um, and, and that, and that's, was really important. You know, my book, it starts with a wedding and it's a bride walking down the aisle and all eyes are on her because there's so much promise for the future they have ahead of them. Right. And how could I know at 24, when I walked down that aisle, that I would have not one, but two cancers. And I I don't mention it in this interview, but I've lost two brothers. You know, one died at the age of 38 back in 1993. And then my other brother died in, in 2016 and that my mother would get dementia. But, but like, how could you know that, you know, going into your, your, the beginning of your life. So life throws you curveballs and everyone has something, but how do we, how do we find the things that work for you to help you make it through? Because, the, you know, like you say, my struggles, they don't define me. They strengthen me. You know, I I don't walk out of my house and say, everybody's looking at me because I had cancer. No, not, no. Maybe back then when I, I had this horrible social anxiety, when I first had the mastectomy, like that people were going to say, oh, I heard what happened or how are you? And then you have to figure out what you say to these people, right? You have to say, or what you want to share with them. Right. You had this ter- terrible crippling social anxiety. And in an, in another way, not everybody, but some people would, you know, when I, before I had a double mastectomy, people would look in my eyes when they met me. Some people would look down here first. And that made me feel, feel very uncomfortable, different and changed. So I had to work through that. Like I had to work through, like if I went to a wedding and I was going to be going to table 12 to meet up with people that I hadn't seen since before my surgery, I had to work on that. And, and, and I use like visualization techniques. I literally would sit there and I knew that what they look like, right? So, cause people I know, but I haven't seen them since before. And I would literally have to visualize my encounter with each and every person at that table. And some of them might look down and make me feel, I would feel uncomfortable and different and changed and some wouldn't or what, what, what I chose to share with them, you know, in terms of that. But, you know, I really worked on that because um, I didn't want to say no to things. Right. But now I walk out. I, when I walk out of my house and I'm not defined by Rosie, two time cancer survivor, I'm Rosie Mankus, you know, and I'm strong. And, you know, and I, and, and, and it's, let me tell you, uh, to be completely honest, that was not me in 2016. But, and it took time, you know, it's not like I waved the magic wand and it happened. But incorporating all the things that I've shared with you today, like, I, my struggles strengthened me. Mm-hmm. And that's really, was really, really a significant turn in my life. Well, Rosie, I want to say thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing. I love 
the flexibility and the growth mindset that you have. And I think that that is such a key um, that wherever someone is that's listening, you're not stuck there, right? And it, it not to belittle or to say it's going to be easy because I'm sure you're um, from there to here was not easy for you. And yet here you are. And so that we have this choice that we can be fluid and flexible and curious and that there are tools and right. And now many of those tools can be found on an app on our phone, which is pretty amazing. Um, so I just want to say thank you so much for just taking what life gave you and, and using it to help other people. I'm sure you're doing that in so many different ways. And I'm grateful that um, I found you and that you've been on this podcast as well. So thank you, Rosie. Well, thank you. It was great meeting you and getting to learn a little bit more about you too and being, thank you for letting me share my story.